Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. He's doing well. Just, I understand there's been questions about Dr. O'Connor, but does the White House plan on making him available for questions, making him available to the public at any point? We feel that Dr. O'Connor's statements and his detailed report, uh, again, on a on a um, on a situation as the as the doctor just said, is mild, very mild, and he's able to continue to do his work, is enough. We have Dr. Shah here, who's a medical doctor, who is who is renowned in this field. Uh, for COVID, who is uh, for the COVID response and what we've been seeing for the last 22 mo 21 months. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure we provided uh, that expertise and that's what we're doing. And again, Dr. Uh, Dr. O'Connor is providing detailed information uh, on on the president's physical health at this time. Absolutely appreciate the letter. You don't you don't think there would be uh, additional value, even just for assuring the public and giving the press the opportunity to ask follow up questions. No, I, I hear you. We are assuring the public. We've been here now. I don't know, 45 minutes talking to all of you. We were here an hour talking to all of you, answering questions, fielding questions. And to be quite honest, you know, uh, there's nothing, I don't, we don't believe, and Dr. O'Connor believed, there's nothing more that he could add to what's already in his report. Uh, and so again, we're gonna keep that commitment and in providing inf information every day, uh, a detailed, detailed information from, from Dr. O'Connor. But we're, we, we've, we've answered this question many times, so let's, let's give your other Good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. And. Um, but a new poll out from Quinnipiac University today begs to differ. It found 57% of voters disapprove 
of Mr. Trump's handling of the job. 56% find him unfit to serve, and 51% say they are embarrassed to have him as president. According to a new poll from Quinnipiac University, 62% of Americans say the president is not honest. 71% say he is not level-headed. So the president is starting this working vacation with historically low approval ratings. What do you think could turn things around for him going forward? Well, he, as you say, Dan, he's at the lowest point of any president that's ever been at six months going into the summer. August usually are never good months for presidents. You Lester, this is President Trump's first major primetime policy address, and it comes as polls show his approval rating is sagging. With this announcement tonight, Mr. Trump becomes the third president to take on the war in Afghanistan, a conflict he now owns. Democrats hoping to pass the massive spending plan by the end of October. With President Biden. Hi! My name is. What? My name is. Huh? My name is. Rock your goggins. Hi! My name is. What? My name is. Who? My name is. Uh, the, the guy. Hi, kids. You like pie tits? They're not pie tits. You want to see me close both my eyelids? I get real close. I'm quicker than most. Let me be clear. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I, I, I take my talkie Joe drugs and give super long hugs. I'm also an ice cream guy. Hi. My name is. What? My name is. Huh? My name is. Grove Rival. Stop the tape. I need to be changed. Maybe get another booster. Get the f out of here. Oh. I keep getting it. Sorry. My thing didn't pass. Then I fell on my ass. Off a bike that wasn't even going too fast. No, I'm serious. I flew to Crown Pimp Obama. He's a real bad dude. Gave him a little fist bump because I didn't want to be rude. Gas is still $18. What are you guys talking about? It's all right. The economy's strong. And I couldn't be prouder of my boy Hunty's dog. It, it's, I'm the next guy. So stop your searching. And if you don't vote for me, you ain't a black guy person. Hi. Uh, what? Who are you? Jabrock Jabrydon. Thank you, and God bless America. Smile at camera. Sniff Sleepy, who's my name? Hunty and the big guy. Did. Records. Over the course of your career, uh, has your husband ever made a stock purchase or sale based on information he's received? What are you what? saying? Uh, over the course of your career, huh? has your husband ever made a stock purchase or sale based on information you received from you? No, absolutely not. Okay. You can't be pro insurrection and pro cop. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-democracy. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. Donald Trump lacked the courage to act. The brave women and men in blue all across this nation should never forget that. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 26th of July, year of our Lord, 2022. Going to be a short show, sick as hell. Got something, uh, don't even want to talk about it. Just not feeling good today. I think that's going to be like my life going forward. So I love that intro, all the different things, the pronoun shit, the slim shady, but my favorite is Biden. I mean, that's like a hostage video. I mean, really think about it. What is that? His eyes never blinked. 
there were six different edits. Now, I, I'm not going to say I don't edit. Occasionally, you'll catch me editing. When I totally derail or power goes out or something, I'll edit a little, but not for... Uh, well, how many minutes is this? You can't be pro. 17 seconds. 17-second video, and there's six edits. And his eyes don't move. They don't blink. It's just, that's our president. That's our president, and it's just incredibly sad that that's our president. And I want to start, basically, because in there you saw a nice vignette with the press secretary. And let's just do some math on this. We were told the adults are back and there's going to be transparency. That's what we were told. I don't see transparency at all. That's not transparency. We can't even talk to the doctor. I mean, I doubt the media would go full-fledged, hey, they're lying like they did with Trump's doctor, but wow. And then we had another event. Um, some media carried it just for the day, even though they knew it was false. Some white supremacists, Nazis in Florida... And they're trying to use it to get DeSantis, but I think we all know who these people are. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed now condemning neo-Nazis that were outside the Tampa Convention Center on Saturday. This happened as the Turning Point USA Summit was happening inside the convention center. The neo-Nazis flew flags with swastikas on them, which have been blurred, uh, and people nearby say they were using racial slurs. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed held a news conference outside the convention center Sunday, urging Governor DeSantis to condemn the neo-Nazis. So, Ron... You are the leader of 22 million individuals, the third largest Jewish population in the country. We need to stand united. Freed is running for governor. She will face Charlie Crist in the August 23rd Democratic primary. The winner will then go on to face Republican incumbent Ron DeSantis in November. They were out there, neo-Nazis were in the front of turning out there in front of the conference uh, with anti-Semitic um, slurs and, um, you know, the Nazi swastika mm -hmm. and a picture of a so-called Jewish person with mm -hmm. exaggerated features, just like her, like Goebbels did in the Hitler in during the Third Reich. It's the same thing, right out of that same playbook. Mm -hmm. Okay, and DeSantis did not say anything about it. Nothing. So it's his uh, sort of his rendition of uh, good people on both sides. Mm -hmm. Same idea. So you have to read this thing. Oh, I've got a legal note. Uh, the conservative oh, group. Sunny normally does this, but you I know, yes. I know. Yes. This is our knockoff lawyer. Okay. The conservative group, <laughs> Turning Point USA, has condemned the group of neo Nazis and said they have nothing to do with the organization. 
Yeah, but where was DeSantis is what I want to know. But you let them in. President, open your you let them in and you knew what they were. Right. So you are complicit. I want to make a quick clarification about the neo-Nazis at the Turning Point event. They were outside protesters. My point was more metaphorical. That you, you embraced them at your thing, I felt. So I just, they were not in the building. They felt no, but you know, what? Okay. you know what? If the so-called Antifa who are anti-fascist, that's what Antifa stands for, uh -huh. would go there and protest, then Antifa would get a bad reputation. That's why, when I right. hear that Antifa is... Uh, right, but that's not... But let me just make sure that everybody... Because, you know, misunderstanding what people say is very big. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So we want to make sure you... I know they were not in the building. But so on Monday, we talked about the fact that there were openly neo-Nazi demonstrators outside the Florida Student Action Summit of the Turning Point USA group. We want to make clear that these demonstra demonstrators were gathered outside the event and that they were not invited or endorsed by Turning Point USA. A Turning Point USA spokesman said the group quote, 100% condemns those ideologies and said Turning Point USA Security tried to remove the neo-Nazis from the area but could not because they were on public property. Also, Turning Point USA wanted to clarify, uh, wanted us to clarify that this was a Turning Point USA summit and not a Republican Party event. So we apologize for anything we said that may have been unclear on these points. Well, hi there. I'm back. Yeah, I started this show and uh, after... Doing that one section, I almost puked, so I quit. And now I'm back, and it's Sunday the 31st to continue this podcast. And for that, I apologize. Uh, I tried sleeping in bed. wasn't smart. My stomach was garbage for a good four days, and now I'm okay. I babied it, slept sitting up, and did some walking, and feel much, much better. So I can continue on with the podcast. And I'm kind of glad we did, because... I I had a podcast, but this is just, we're just going to do hypocrisy today. Everything is hypocrisy. Everything. It is utter bullshit what's going on. Now, something that happened right after this podcast was the congressional baseball game. And would this be okay if a Republican did it? To lead off the inning, we'll get a pinch runner down there, the fist bump. We'll get an eye on who the pinch runner is going to be. It looks like it's going to be Jeffries. And she will come off to a nice ovation. Well, not much reaction from the Republican side. Well, when she comes back around. Now, for the record, she said somebody said something chauvinistic. Chauvinistic. But there was a guy actually in the dugout who's been at the dugout forever. He's an unbiased person. I didn't hear anything. Nobody said a word. She just flipped them off. Just flipped them off. And if you really want to break it down, there's no difference between that and what we're doing with words right now. So you knew it was coming. But here is the media jerk off with just trying to rework what a recession is. I am the media jerk off of the week. Hold your horses. Under President Trump, economic success was pretty much a given. For fact's sake, let's take a look back at the Trump economy. 
There's this Washington Post analysis from January 8th, 2021. Quote, Trump will have the worst jobs record in modern U.S. history. It's not just the pandemic. Trump is the only modern president to leave office with fewer jobs than when he took office. Three million fewer jobs to be exact. Of course, the pandemic was the root cause for so many jobs lost across the country in the late part of his administration. But this chart right here shows that even before the pandemic, job growth under Trump was at a lower pace than most other presidents. And as The Washington Post puts it, quote, President Trump took office at the crest of the longest economic expansion in U.S. history. He leaves presiding over the worst labor market in modern U.S. history, as an already sputtering economic recovery has turned negative. Remember, Trump took office with a winning economy. So let's fast forward to right now and look at some key numbers to come this week. Today, we learned consumer confidence has declined for a third straight month. Not good news, but also not a surprise. When everything in your life costs more, you don't feel good about the economy. And when the tool the government uses to slow rising prices makes it more expensive to borrow, well, we don't like that much either. And tomorrow, we're going to find out if the Fed plans to raise rates again, and they likely will. On Thursday, we get GDP numbers, likely going to show a second quarter of decline, also, not great news, but it doesn't mean it's a full-blown recession. Why? Because there's other things. There is good news. We've got low unemployment, steady job growth, and a high rate of savings. The economy is not all good. The economy is not all bad. What we have in this giant country of ours. All right, it's one of the numbers people have been waiting for just moments ago. The GDP report on second quarter earnings released, or second quarter economic growth. Chief Business Correspondent Christine Roman's here with the numbers. What do they say? Hey guys, these, this is the biggest gauge of the U.S. economy, right? And it shrank 0.9% in the second quarter. And that's after a shrink of 1.6%, a decline of 1.6% in the first quarter. You can see it was a rip-roaring 2021. The U.S. economy last year, the strongest since the Reagan administration, and now U.S. economic growth is slowing here. Now, as you know, the beginning of a definition of a recession is two quarters in a row of a decline. But that's just the beginning. You have to look at the entire set of economic numbers out there. We still have a pretty strong labor market. When you look at jobless claims, that number just came in. That is, of course, a read of how many people for the very first time filed for jobless benefits. That number, 200. 56,000, down a little bit from last week, which is a number that was revised higher. These are numbers that have been trending up a little bit, but from a very, very low base. So closely watching these labor market numbers as well. It is a strong labor market, many people say, is why the U.S. economy is not technically in a recession right now. But not a technical recession, right? This is sort of a rule of thumb gauge as to how this the economy the, is doing. Exactly. And this has become very political. I cannot believe the semantics yes. that have been yeah. going on in Washington yes. these days about, about what a recession is. And certainly some people feel like they're in a recession. And quite honestly, in the American economy, there are some people who are always in a recession yeah. because mm. we have such income inequality in this country. But the National Bureau of Economic Research, it's a, a, a bunch of economists who have a committee who sit around and look at every single number known to man and then after the fact decide if something was a re recession. The last recession we had, by the way, was only a couple months. That was in the beginning, remember, of 2020. That wasn't even one quarter. That was a two-month recession, two- or three-month recession uh, because of the COVID crisis. So everyone is different. Every
everyone, you know, the, there, there is not this hard and fast rule about what makes a recession. You know it when you see it, when oh, the yeah. economists look at every number and figure it out. But you made a really good point in the break, I think, Bianca, that um, at some point it becomes self-fulfilling. When you look at numbers like this, the people feel nervous, they pull back on their investments or their spending, and then you start to talk yourself into a recession. Yeah. I think that's something. That's the thing we are looking for later today, that GDP report that some economists believe could show the second straight quarter of declines in our economic activity. One way that people define a recession is not the official definition of a recession. We're looking at this and we're hearing about recession. It's almost like a buzzword now. Um, are we in a well, recession? Well, I mean, look, we don't know. Typically, if GDP falls for a second quarter in a row, that could signal a looming recession. But the Biden administration has been insisting that that is not the case this time around, that the economy is simply recalibrating after a post. But is the economy already on a collision course for a recession? It depends on who you ask. The most important question economically is uh, whether uh, working people and middle-class families have more breathing room and they're able to afford the important things in their lives. And Robin, even if there isn't a recession, technically it can still feel bad out there for consumers. I don't see the big signals of recession mainly because I'm looking at the labor market. Everybody who wants a job can find a job in this economy and that's not typically a characteristic that you see in a recession. And that right there is why this economy is such a head-scratcher for the Federal Reserve. It doesn't feel like that we are on or in a recession. Um, the president said today that uh, we're not going to be in a recession. Uh, why is he so confident of that? So if you look at the economic indicators, uh, the, uh, as the president was, was uh, laying out, if you look at the labor market, uh, right now we are seeing historic uh, historic uh, 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 unemployment, if you look at low unemployment at 3.6, if you look at the average uh, amount of jobs that have been created, it's about 400 uh, per month, those indicators do not show uh, that we are are in a recession or even a pre-recession. Uh, but I gotta tell you, I, I struggle with this. I get that why they want to do it from a political perspective, yeah. but like you can't fake this. No, I was just, I was laughing to myself with the in my view thing that Caitlin highlighted because it's like, well, in my <laughs> view, I should be drafted into the NBA. Like the in NBA, my view, in, NBA executives didn't agree with that. I would make millions of dollars, right. right. Like <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you think. It's, there's a, there is a technical definition to straight quarters of negative economic growth. They clearly believe that that is likely to come to pass later this week. They're trying to pre-butt it. To your point, we get why they're doing it politically. Right. At the same time, we have these terms for reasons. You don't have to like it. Of course they don't like it because the economy, you know, Joe Biden's, a textbook, Joe right? Biden's handling of the economy was at 25 or 30 percent in our most recent poll. Like, yeah, it's a problem for them. This adds to the problem. But you don't get to change the nomenclature in the middle of a campaign because it doesn't work for you. Well, and again, your voters are going to feel what they feel in their lives. Exactly. No matter what, right. no matter what That's you say. Exactly. All right. Gas prices are definitely going down. You're right about that. Here's the tricky thing, really, for the White House. People were certainly complaining when they were going up. You're not hearing that many people complimenting it or thrilled or talking at their kitchen table about the good news about gas prices going down. So you have the challenge of getting the American people positive about the economy. It's very psychological. How we feel about the economy impacts how we behave. How do you change the way people think? Because we are in an economic recovery.
Well, look, uh, the way people feel is the way people feel, and it's their lived reality. And certainly uh, our, our goal is not to try to uh, change or convince people otherwise. But I do think that you are right. Some of this is about the way that things are covered. There was a lot more coverage, and we've actually seen it in doing scans of uh, media analysis, a lot more coverage when gas prices are going up than they're, when they're going down. So some of the things that we're trying to do is uh, make very clear to the American people when those things happen that they can benefit from them and that they have an impact in their lives. The president spoke about that issue on Friday, uh, and uh, he will speak more about that this week. And we'll keep uh Thursday, that first reading of second quarter quarter GDP, there's a possibility this is a negative number, two consecutive quarters of, of negative growth. The definition of a recession is a decline in output for two consecutive quarters or about six months. A recession is just two consecutive quarters of economic decline. When we talk about the possibility of a recession, what is a recession? A recession is two consecutive quarters. Two consecutive quarters. Two consecutive quarters. Two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Because as you know, it's two consecutive quarters of down GDP. That signals it is actually a definition of a recession. I mean, the most common definition of a recession, two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Even if we don't have two consecutive quarters of negative growth, we might have one quarter of growth so deep that it's classified as a recession. The last soundbite there is them in 2019 literally saying what a recession was so they could get Trump. But now you see all the other ones. Molly Hemingway and others spot Soviet-style journalism and AP's attempt to carry economic water. By one common definition, the economy is shrinking for consecutive quarters. The U.S. economy is on the cusp of a recession. Yet that definition isn't the one that counts. The economy is shrinking for two consecutive quarters would meet a long-standing assumption. But with the U.S. adding 2.7 million jobs, blah, blah, blah. Politico chief economic. The White House is pretty obvious right now that even two quarters of shrink of GDP would not show the economy is currently in recession. Getting people to understand that and the nuances of our strange, vexing economic moment, it's just really hard. No, no. The economists, the silver lining in a recession. PolitiFact, fact checker cries false that Biden White House redefined recession. Oh, really? That's false? Facebook, Instagram, flag false for posts now that are going against the new definition. And then you see all these little articles. Cascade of crises, unexpected events, test Joe Biden's leadership and popularity. It's not that he sucks. It's just he's got a really rough go. Mm, okay. Comfortably smug sums it up. Surprised by unexpected Taliban, surprised by unexpected inflation, unexpected gas, unexpected formula, unexpected, unexpected Russian invasion, unexpected recessions. It's just a trend. They're just always surprised. Always surprised. And I'm not going to pull it out and show Trump on the balcony. Biden's back in quarantine because Biden's got COVID. He has COVID. He wasn't 
clear. But he went back to work. Do you know how many fucking articles we'd have? Just oodles of articles about how he uh, awake, awake of COVID. He left. It's just fucking insane. And then to show how much more crazy, two migrants back to back, they're building a wall. And now they're butthurt that they have to deal with the migrant invasion and they're calling out the National Guard. President Biden has authorized the completion of the border wall in an open area near Yuma, Arizona. It's another reversal of policy for the president who vowed not to add to his predecessor's efforts in any way on that project. The water flows south. The people flow north by the dozen, the hundreds or single families. Plastic bags and infants held above the current. Sometimes they panic halfway and cry for help. Sometimes they fall and get back up. Sometimes they don't get back up at all. When the migrants reach U.S. shore illegally, their struggles don't end, and a host of new ones are created for the border towns overwhelmed by their numbers. In Eagle Pass, if you fear you are dying of COVID and call an ambulance, that ambulance can no longer take you to the hospital. The hospital is full. Well, basically, we're refusing to transport citizens because the hospital is overwhelmed sometimes. Overwhelmed how? With uh, undocumented patients. Now, despite campaign pledges to build no more border walls, the Biden administration agreed to do just that Thursday promising to fill in four gaps in Trump-built border walls near Yuma, Arizona. It's ineffective. We are not finishing a wall. We are cleaning up the mess that the last administration made. The absurd gaps became both a symbol of failed border policy and one of the busiest illegal crossings in the country. D.C. mayor sent the White House a letter asking for National Guard help with migrants that have been bused here from Texas and Arizona. Is the president going to approve that request for the National Guard? So as uh, to your question on the National Guard, I refer you to the Department of Defense. They will have uh, that answer for you. Uh, we have been in regular touch with Mayor Bowser and her team. Uh, and I said this before, I said this last week about Republicans using migrants uh, as a political tool, uh, and that is shameful and that is just wrong. Uh, there is a process in place for managing migrants at the border. This is not it what they're doing currently uh, that that includes expelling migrants as required by court order under title 42 uh, transferring them to ice custody or placing them in the care of local ngos as they await further prop, uh, processing again so what republicans are doing the way that they're meddling in the process and using uh, migrants as a political pawn is just wrong so the white house's preference would be for small towns in texas and arizona to have to take care of these migrants rather than than a large metropolitan that is city not what like I said. Washington, D.C. That is not what I said. That is what that, you said. No, that you is said not, that I said that there is, migrants. yeah, they are. They're sending migrants to big cities on purpose, so using they, them as a political ploy. So if they don't go to big cities, where should they there's go? There's a process. I just there's laid a, it out. There's, there's a, process, a process. And they come to a big city, and now there, that the is, mayor says she needs the National Guard. That's so, because, that's because Republicans are using, they're using migrants who are coming here for, who knows? Uh, because they are, they're, they're dealing with humanitarian issues back in their country. They're coming here for a better life, and they are being used 
Peter. They're being used by Republican governors. Does, that is what's happening. Does any of this just make the president want to say this is causing a lot of burdens on small cities, big cities, maybe I should just close the border? What I'm saying is what Republicans are doing is wrong, and there is a process in place, and we should follow the process. There is a legal process in place, and they should follow it. It's fucking unbelievable. They had sanctuary cities just to own Trump. You purposely let illegals come in. You couldn't touch them. You wouldn't work with ICE. You alerted them when ICE was doing raids. But yeah, you're under a crisis now. It's all a crisis. And the media is so desperate, they carry all this. They carry it like it is, you know, right that's that's right. Yeah, those are the facts. J6. Oh, my God. They're just hyping up the end of Trump because the walls are closing in. Actually said this week. You've been reporting on politics for 20 years. This is the eighth hearing, ninth hearing tonight. Yep, eighth, eighth hearing tonight. What has most surprised you? Is there anything about the surprise you most about the last eight hearings? Well, I think, I mean, I, the, the sheer amount of new information they have uncovered is genuinely remarkable. And I mean, how they've given it to us. That is the other, that was exactly what I was just going to say. It is, as a uh, television practitioner, yeah. uh, it has been a tour de force of production. I think I mean, it's going to change how any congressional hearing absolutely. is held to a standard. Because the, you know, the, the circus that usually happens is no longer going to be seen as entertainment. This is actually informative and interesting. Yes, although the precondition, the necessary, and I agree, but the necessary precondition for that is that you have a unanimity of purpose among the members of the committee across party lines to get to the bottom of what happened and to present their case to the American public. That is usually not the case. Right. If, you, if Jim Jordan were up there in his shirt sleeves, right. you know, and... Uh, you know, it, and everything is broken down in majority time, minority time, res, you know, response rebuttal. You can't do what they're doing. I think that is proof that Kevin McCarthy does not deserve to be speaker because he doesn't understand politics well he, enough to know what his own game was. Let, let me, I'm sorry, we've yeah. got to take a quick break. We'll come back to this. we got to take another break. We'll be right back with more Chris Hayes, everybody. What we are expecting tonight from the January 6th investigation is something that's been described as a season finale. Not show finale. But a season finale. There may be more seasons. There may be bonus episodes. The way that I've been talking about this hearing is that it's more the season finale than the series finale for the committee. The season finale, as it were, of their blockbuster hearings in prime time. A season finale of sorts. Thursday's prime time finale, so to speak. Does this feel to you like the series finale or the season finale for the January 6th committee? <laughs> That's such a good way to put it. We thought this was the season finale. Everybody's like, come back for more. There is hunger. There is new information. These are incendiary revelations. Even the things we thought we knew, we're, we're learning it's a multidimensional scandal, right? Shape the narrative, you know, the end of season one, as you're effectively doing in a way that lets us know there may still be more to come and, and move towards mm -hmm. that in the season two, if necessary. It almost felt as if it was like the series finale. At one point, Liz Cheney said, stay tuned for mm -hmm. September, which is like season two. There will be a season two, so to speak. Last night was just the season finale. 
we learned another season's coming. TV ratings stayed strong throughout the series. It's weird to say it's a series, but it was a summer series of television, and it turned out to be one of the highest-rated shows of the summer. Consider tonight the finale of season one. We will be back in September with more hearings. We've seen all eight episodes through Thursday's season finale of the hearings. Was it a cliffhanger for you in any way? I don't know if we'll get stuff on the Secret Service. I don't know if we'll get stuff on the military and the National Guard. I don't know if we'll get stuff. These January 6th hearings, what were your expectations going into them and, and have they been met? They've been exceeded because I had very low expectations. I, I was skeptical. Yeah. I mean, when you've been around, you know, as, as, yeah. as long as we have, <laughs> you, le you learn yeah. to, to set your expectations accordingly. But they have done a remarkable job of laying out a very compelling case. And I thought what Representative King Kitzger said last night wasn't that Trump didn't, you know, act, that he failed to act, that he chose not to act, like putting him in the driver's seat of being the one who said, I am not going to try and save the Capitol from falling because I like what I'm seeing on TV. So I think they've done a great job. I'm very curious to see what else they have in September. Mm -hmm. The fact that this was supposed to be over, but they keep getting more and more information. And I think it's going to get the walls are going to keep closing around Trump right. tighter and tighter. Just this week. And I don't have a screen for this, so we'll just we'll just get out of that. Just this week, just the news printed, Trump gave order to make sure January 6th rally was safe event. Pentagon memo shows General Milley's recollection undercuts Democrat effort to suggest President Trump wanted violence. But nobody's bringing it up because this is their big time. WAPO, Liz Cheney understood the assignment. Geraldo Rivera. Liz Cheney is a once-in-a-generation stand-up hero, unlike everyone else involved. She has put her career in peril and stayed in the fight. History will honor her in the meantime. It's up to Wyoming. So her contributions... It, this amazing LA Times graph indicates the J6 show trial is mostly a fundraising operation for Liz Cheney, who's gotten $260,000, all of it outside her state. But simultaneously, while we're still playing fuck, fuck, goose, there was all sorts of revelation about how the FBI aided in the Hunter Biden cover-up. Fox News Digital reporting that President Biden met with at least 14 of Hunter's business associates while he was vice president. Now, the New York Post taking aim with today's front page. The paper reports that Hunter's business partner referred to President Biden as, quote, the big guy. Griff Jenkins live in Washington with the details. Good morning, Griff. Good morning, Dana. The identity of the big guy has been the subject of much speculation as part of the ongoing grand jury probe into Hunter Biden's dealings. Now, according to the New York Post, one of Hunter's business partners named James Gilliar appears to have referred to Joe Biden as the big guy in a message on the same day the Post broke the news of the infamous laptop left behind by the president's son. Now, this comes as a Fox News digital review shows at least 14 of Hunter Biden's business associates met with then Vice President Biden, ranging from Mexican billionaires to a former Colombian president to Ukrainian and Russian energy executives. Yet Biden consistently denies it. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. 
Meanwhile, the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee says multiple FBI whistleblowers alleged senior FBI and DOJ officials tampered with politically sensitive investigations across multiple election cycles, including queries into Hunter Biden's dealings. Grassley had this to say to you guys yesterday. They wanted to characterize it as disinformation, and they shut that investigation down. Now, this is hurting the credibility of the FBI. People ought to have ultimate confidence in the FBI. And as a result, now Grassley and Senator Ron Johnson are demanding the DOJ open an internal investigation or appoint a special counsel. The DOJ has... I mean, you look at all this stuff, it is, it is unfucking believable It's just unbelievable. The man spread COVID, came out of quarantine, had COVID, no stories about it. Building a wall, they said that was racist. Having kids in cages, they said that was racist. FBI meddling again, no coverage. No cover. For fuck's sake, a goddamn congressperson who's running for office was almost assassinated and what do they say it was a keychain now to that dangerous moment for the republican candidate for governor of new york congressman lee zeldin speaking to a small group when a man climbed up on stage and attacked him zeldin wasn't hurt investigators tell abc news the suspect is a 43 year old army vet who receives treatment for alcohol abuse and anxiety the suspect was arrested and charged but released from jail less than 24 hours after the attack Tonight, a man charged with attempting to assault New York Republican gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin has been released without bail. The man, armed with a sharp self-defense keychain, was wrestled to the ground at a campaign event Thursday. Congressman Zeldin was not A political campaign event taking a violent turn. A man attacking Republican congressman and gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin during a speech in upstate New York. Video of the incident, obtained by our NBC affiliate WHEC, shows the man approaching Zeldin on stage at the VFW post near Rochester. And there's only, there's only one option. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. Holding a sharp-looking object in his hand, the man lunges at Zeldin, attempting to stab him, according to Zeldin's campaign. Zeldin grabbing the man's wrist before others intervene, tackling the man to the ground. Monroe County Sheriff's deputies identifying the suspect as 43-year-old David Jackson. A keychain. It was a sharp keychain. That's all I heard him. The guy tried to kill him, and it's all because of what they say over and over and over and over and over and over. I mean, I'm not even going to do a long section on abortion, but I'm going to play it, play the sound bites this week because you wonder why people are attacking people. You wonder why Americans literally are numb and unless they're watching a conservative site, they know nothing about the violence from the left, but they spend all their time fearing for it. That's why we have so many fucking guns. It's what the media says just on a subject like abortion. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. Have you felt threatened? Yes. 
Yes, I have. Um, and it, you know, it shows how, you know, abortion, instead of being um, part of healthcare, which it is, um, a needed life-saving procedure, which it is, has been used to create a wedge between people politically and personally. Indiana's Attorney General Todd Rokita described you as an abortion activist acting as a doctor. How do you respond to that? I'm a physician. I've spent my entire life working to have this position, to be able to take care of patients every single day. Did you at any point violate privacy laws? No. And have you failed to report any recent abortions? No. How would you describe how things have changed since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade? We're hearing stories all across the country of people who are in dire circumstances, complications of their pregnancies, or traumatic situations, and are needing abortion care and not able to get it. What has this Supreme Court decision done? You know, this will affect our ability to take care of miscarriages. This will affect our ability to take care of complications in early pregnancy that could kill someone. This will affect our ability to provide infertility treatment, contraception, the list goes on. How would you address concerns by conservatives or those with deeply held religious beliefs that abortion is immoral and wrong? What I would say is if you don't believe that you would have an abortion, then don't have one. You cannot stop other people from accessing medical care that they need based on your personal religious beliefs. I think the point that she makes at the end is very powerful. Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. Because if you believe it's wrong and it, it's against what you believe, then don't have one. Don't have one. The simplicity in which she said it makes you go, oh, okay. Right. Puts it in perspective. I'm not a fan of just outrage, right? I, I, you can show me all the terrorists on TV, all the Republicans saying terrible things. It's not new. They've been doing this for most of my lifetime. But what I do think is important is to say that, hey, these people have policy influence. So on that end, do you think that the, the sort of uh, the moderates and the independents in this country, do you think they're really aware of the fact that this isn't just hyperbole now, that Republicans are in position to take some of their craziest fantasies and make them law? Or is it still something that most people are kind of ignoring? I mean, I think it's happened in some sense, you know, how do you go, what is the old saying about how do you go broke suddenly and or slowly and then suddenly, gradually then suddenly? This has been happening for a long time. The subtitle of my first book, which came out in 2006, was The Rise of Christian Nationalism. And when I was talking about this movement and the danger that it might gain political power, I think one of the biggest criticisms was that you're being hyperbolic or that you're being fear-mongering. Now we see people who have this ideology, that they're version of a kind of malicious muscular Christianity should be imposed on the rest of us. Marjorie Taylor Greene is like, hey, I'm a proud white nationalist. But you look at the data about her district. Her district is 75 percent white, but it's 12 percent Hispanic, 9 percent African-American, 1 percent Asian, 3 percent uh, who, who say they are of, of two races or more. I mean, there are people in these districts who do not like the fact that they're getting swept along in this white nationalist movement, not just from a numbers perspective, but even from a political agitation perspective. Can those people be activated? I guess the question is when there is a widespread recognition that this party has become so cruel, so far out of the mainstream, so extremist and untethered from most people's or. Thank you for your patience. 
there's no easy way to say this, but your baby has a catastrophic brain abnormality. What, what does that mean? It means that parts of her brain didn't form. Your daughter, if she is to survive, will live only a matter of hours after birth. During that time, she will experience a multitude of seizures and ultimately aspirate on her own bodily fluids. She will suffer. A decision will need to be made on termination. I wish I could tell you what to do, but there's only one person who can make this choice. How much time do I have? And that person is Greg. Greg? Who the f is Greg? Yeah, let me just give him a call. Hey, Greg. Dr. Robinson here. Listen, I've got a pregnancy that could... Yes? But I think this one is the... Yes, okay. Sure. Sure. Okay, I'll let them know. Yeah. That's gonna be a no. Best of luck to you. found out later, Mika, of course, what he couldn't have known that day in that moment that they were two to three minutes away from being trapped uh, and, and, and possibly being in, uh, confronting these these rioters, this mob, this angry mob that Donald Trump and Josh Hawley whipped into a frenzy uh, and this mob that wanted to hang Mike Pence. So uh, that's one of the things that we found is things were for far more uh, dangerous for Mike Pence than originally thought, even when we knew that uh, the guy was close uh, to, to being captured by the mob. And, and again, to underline this, Donald Trump, when he knew Mike Pence and Mike Pence's wife and Mike Pence's family, when he knew they were in danger, that's when he sent out a tweet attacking him mm -hmm. to whip the mob 
into a greater frenzy. Of course, that's when Pottinger and, and, and so many others, Matthews and so many others, decided to quit uh, at that moment because they understood the danger that Donald Trump had, had put him in. And what, what was that sociopath's final words that day? Mike Pence let me down. He's just a heinous human just being. Just watching the Secret He's Service. He's just a heinous human well, being. Something... And by the way, there are people all around him who have had extraordinarily horrible judgment, who enabled him uh, through Charlottesville, who enabled him uh, through, through uh, everything. And the, all these people were calling, begging him to stop. His family members were begging him to stop. Uh, Fox News hosts were calling, begging him to stop. His children were begging him to stop. Everybody around him was begging him to stop. And he was the sociopath that stood above the crowd. He, 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 he was even, even more vile uh, and more repugnant than everybody else around him. And, and wanted his vice president to die, said his vice president deserved dying. My God, I mean, you, you listen to this testimony and you wonder, I'm not criticizing Merrick Garland, I wanna be very clear, Ben Wittes, I'm not criticizing Merrick Garland, be very clear, but you wonder how this guy is not already in jail. It's staggering. No, you've got a uh, quote I want to read out. It says, I will root for GOP defeats on policy, even where I might otherwise agree with them. The institutional Republican Party must be weakened enough so that it can't carry out the larger project of undermining our elections and curtailing our rights as citizens. But put that in some context for us. You mentioned the courts, and you've written a long time ago that you thought that the Roe decision was at the hands of an activist court. And we are speaking now, not too long after the Dobbs decision. And, and you said that essentially now we have another activist court. Um, tell us about how you wrestled with your own thinking on abortion. Well, there's two parts to that. One is the legal problem that even Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, wrestled with about the way Roe was decided. That a court in the 70s said, the, the Supreme Court in the 70s said this somehow should be legal and we are going to figure out why it's it, it ought to be legal. And again, when you have even liberal justices saying, yeah, that probably wasn't the best um, um, foundation for creating this right, um, you know, there's a problem. On the other hand, I think the, the court in 2022 had at least three members on it in the majority who said, we just don't like abortion and we don't really care about how things were decided one way or another. We just don't think abortion um, should, we wanna give it back to the states, knowing of course what exactly what a lot of the states um, were going to do uh, with it. And I don't think that's any better of a reason, especially once you've instituted a right for 50 years um, that people have woven into kind of the set of rights in America. Um, you know, to simply remove it because a majority now feels um, confident enough in their own beliefs to do that. Have you watched these pro-abortion, pro-murder rallies? The people are just disgusting. Oh.
He's also currently under a DOJ investigation for sex trafficking a 17-year-old, yet he still has speaking gigs. Like, we've seen people do so much less I that know. can't do crap, and this guy's still running around like nothing's happening. But um, I feel like comments like he made re really leave no room for any intellectual conversation because he went so low on that. But someone does need to tell him, uh, one, nobody's pro-abortion, and, uh, like, w everyone is pro-life. It's that some people decide to eliminate the life of the mother altogether. <laughs> the viable existing human we're just not going to attend to, but the clump of cells, and we can all debate when that starts, is going to be defended at all costs. And I, I, pro-abortion, pro-murder, no one that does this would think it is murder, just to clarify his language. But I also think um, that he needs to realize most people that are pro-choice are not fighting for themselves. Like, people, I, I am not pro-choice because I think something's going to happen to me and I'm going to get pregnant, although I defend those people, too. So many of us are concerned about people that don't have a voice. They don't have the agency to speak up. They need power. They need a platform. So I love that he pretty much just showed us every policy he believes in had to affect him first. Real quick, legal <laughs> note, Congressman Matt Gates has uh, not been charged with any crimes and has denied any wrongdoing. Yeah, but you In there, you see them actually do a special segment about a doctor who did the abortion who is doing illegal abortions on kids and not reporting it to the state and sent them out of state. So that's just all sorts of illegal. But they're good people. You see, mothers against Greg Abbott. Mothers against Greg Abbott. And a lot of Republicans bad. Here's uh, Kamala. The president and I take seriously the health and safety and the well-being of the women of America, and that includes the women of Indiana. Mentions an abortion case that she says describes what this issue means to real people, including children. Oh, really? Yeah, because we're killing them. We're killing kids. New York Times hyper hypocritical internal hall monitors now want digital privacy for abortions. They shouldn't even be carried. You shouldn't be able to see the sites. And as they're doing white Christian nationalists, they're also going progressive Christianity. There is no progressive Christianity. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can sleep with another man. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can kill a baby. That's not a thing. That's not the Bible. Unlike the Biden administration, I just edited because I read it wrong. So here you have this young lady who says defund Planned Parenthood. And this fucking moonback goes online and literally starts attacking her like, yeah, this really happened. And the whole world went after, like, what's wrong with that? If you can be give all our money to Planned Parenthood and kill babies all day long, why can't this person do the same? What's wrong with that? They're even running stories like it's going to limit their sex. Like we had a whole election on birth control. You re-elected a president in 2012 because he got free birth control for everybody. Do you remember this? Where were you at? That's our next. We're going to go into fucking climate soon after this soundbite. Because here's another abortion. MSNBC laments existed of pro-life men because they don't have a vagina. You will then see climate was really big this week. 
So, Nyla, this has been a huge issue uh, across the country. Um, there is a gentleman running for Senate in Wisconsin, um, Mandela Barnes, who started polling ahead um, of, of his uh, primary opponents uh, because of this issue. So I'm just curious, in addition to ab abortion, what are the other issues that motivate you and your friends? What is something, because somebody tweeted earlier, which I thought was a great point, it's not about enthusiasm, it's about motivation. And if you're saying your uh, group, your friendship circle paid attention when something was taken away from you, when rights were taken away from you. But prior to that, voting rights were taken away. Prior to that, you know, there was uh, state-sanctioned violence that was taking our lives. So I'm just curious, what are the issues that would continue to motivate you and your friends to not only get involved, but kind of stand on the front lines of democracy and help organize or, you know, contribute 50 bucks if you have it or door knock? Mm -hmm. what, what would be that thing? Honestly, I do hate the fact that it took something as drastic as abortion rights to be taken away for us to get involved. But I feel like it's so hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the world from your personal life down to everything that's going on in politics. It's like it's like its own whole new world. And even before the pandemic, I remember like the most Google thing was how can I move to Canada? Like everybody wanted to get out of America, especially with the the height of like um black on black crime going on in America. So honestly, I I'm not sure what like what next can help to motivate. But I do think like seeing ads like that, you know, just keep the fuel running because how can a man say what a woman's right is if he doesn't have a vagina himself? Like, yeah, I don't really take very well to anybody, um, especially somebody who hasn't experienced something such something like abortion, giving me any advice on anything like that. So I think at this point in my life, you know, I'm 27, I just turned 27. I'm at a place where like, I respect my elders, but at the same time, if you guys aren't showing respect, especially as an older white man who has never been in a position like me as a black woman, I, I can't respect it. So seeing ads like that. So where does that leave things, right? I mean, we have more than 35 million Americans. They're under heat alerts this morning. I don't want you to do a deep dive on on how climate change has, has created the conditions for a lot of these things that we're seeing in a number of fronts. but. What can the administration do next? I mean, because they may very well lose the House or, or the Senate to, in, in a several months' time. Uh, yeah. What should folks look for? I mean, that's that is the big question that the president says his lawyers are, are working on right now. To what extent mm -hmm. they can stretch his executive powers without any legislative help? Uh, it's interesting that the letter from staffers part of their plea is please get Joe Manchin to change his mind. You know, this is this is hung up on an old fashioned filibuster sort of recent made up American rules where the fate of life on Earth is at stake and, and doesn't doesn't seem to match. Now, if this were FDR, if this were the 40s, if this was after Pearl Harbor, maybe you would nationalize in the way that they tried to get Ford and Chevy to make ventilators for covid. There's a three year waiting list for Ford F-150 trucks. Why not throw the military might behind that? Why not use the military's? footprint as a symbol of, of a transition. Yeah. Uh, the, the carbon reduction in the infrastructure bill is one-sixth of what the Pentagon emits around the world and all the bases, weapons factories. So to put this in perspective, uh, according to Bill McKibben, Hillary Clinton was going to declare this uh, on day one, a national emergency, just to set the conversation in this way. Some people think it, it blunts the message that you need a clear mission. Like, what, what are we declaring an yeah. emergency against? What is the target to fight that? Um, it should touch every cabinet office, really, uh, holistically. So that's what people are waiting to see is what the president does now that he really doesn't have the courts or Congress on his side in any meaningful way. And Jim, I actually spoke to your old high school recently. 
-hmm. And uh, the debate team was telling me the topic of their last debate was, can a democracy even solve a climate crisis? What kind mm -hmm. of governments can? And I think the proof is, uh, that we see around us is the American form of democracy, the 2022 version, certainly cannot. Goodness, because it requires sacrifice and compromise, right? And there's not a lot of that Absolutely. in politics yeah. these days. Time for all of us to step up. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And law enforcement officials tell us that's not typical of what uh, law enforcement usually does. And confronted with this global emergency, what we're doing with our inaction and failing to walk through the door and stop the killing uh, is not typical of what we are capable of as human beings. We do have the solutions. And I think these extreme events that are getting steadily worse and more severe are really beginning to change minds. We have to have uh, unity as a nation to come together and stop making this a political football. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. You know, it's interesting. Public sentiment uh, on climate is, is certainly, uh, in some ways, growing more urgent. And you've made notice that rank-and-file Republicans uh, are growing more concerned about the climate. But, you know, public opinion is on one side on abortion, is on one side on guns, is on one side on climate, and yet you see that it hasn't mattered to some of the decisions that are made in our politics. How do you, how do you break through that? Really big on this stuff. It's come back this year, the CNN. It is self-indulgent to insist on chilly temperatures in the middle of summer, writes Paul Hawkins, on how America's break is dangerous infatuation with air conditioning, which brought up a very interesting thing. I watched It's a Time of Kill, an old movie with the all right, all right, all right guy. Nobody had air conditioning. It was Mississippi. It was 1980-something, and they actually pretend that nobody had air conditioning. They're all sitting in restaurants without air conditioning, in their homes without air conditioning. Everybody was a racist hillbilly. It was another one of those fucking ones where we're going to portray the South as a bunch of fucking hillbillies. Then we had this Tom fucking foolery, and last time I heard, this is insurrection. They occupied his office without a permit and stayed there for a very long time. There were no police. The media said they were the greatest people ever to fucking walk the earth. But isn't that insurrection? I thought that if you, you, you can't illegally enter the Capitol. That's what we're saying for January 6th. But yet Planned Parenthood did it. Women's March did it. All these groups do it. Colbert did it. You either have one standard or you don't have one standard. You can't have numerous fucking standards. That's not a thing. It's not a thing. And all the while, overflowing, we're not going to talk about how he's lying and his Build Back Better will increase your taxes if you make 30K. My sorry ass, unemployed, at the house, on disability and pension, will be taxed more 
because in turn with his build back better is you lose your fucking tax cuts from Trump. But we're not telling the truth on that. We're we're not going to tell the truth on that because why would we? I mean, folks, this next soundbite, if it's such an existential threat, if super mega, mega extreme is such a threat to democracy and that losing the House and Senate to Republicans will end democracy, why the fuck are they financing super mega candidates once again? just say we've heard a lot of names here this morning cox you brought up the maryland guy lake arizona mastriano pennsylvania what do all these people have in common trump is for them and the democrat governors association has spent millions of dollars to get them their nominations it is the height of cynicism but we didn't i I agree with you it is the height of cynicism except for a three million dollar spend by them doug mastriano was taking that on his own before endorsement people voted for if you're proud of democrat donor money being spent to take to to elect people who you say are destroying america is it not wrong decision do you think donald yes should not endorse but let me ask you let me is it not Democrats playing with fire because oh yes. no doubt polls in Pennsylvania. But it's thought, you, you are correct. Mastriano was winning even before Josh Shapiro, the Democratic nominee, started running ads about him. But is it not playing with fire when the Democratic Governors Association boosts these election denials? No, no. There's no doubt we're playing with fire. But I mean, there, there. But but also, I mean, to, we, we're talking about the DGA. But what Scott didn't mention is Herschel Walker. What Scott didn't mention is all of these other people who are Trump acolytes who actually win primaries, who are terrible candidates, and Democrats have nothing to do with. What do you think? Is it playing with fire? Uh, uh, I'm going to look. That's a yes or no question. Yes, it is. Okay, look. Are they playing with fire? Sure, but it is a Republican base that is voting for people who deny the results of the last election, want to criminalize abortion, and will only make sure that the people they support for president win the next election. If you believe that Trump represents some kind of a crisis to democracy, you can't in good faith make those ads and then still ask center-right Republicans to believe you. As somebody, I used to work at the Wall Street Journal, um, and it was really, um, as a former employee, former reporter there, it was really nice to see them um, kind of strike one for democracy. You know this stuff doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. (laughs) It's a very top-down organization. But I would say, to your point, Eddie, um, I think the difference, right, is just the sense of grievance that we're seeing in that larger um, right-wing megasphere. And I think, uh, you know, that was stoked by Trump, obviously, over the past six years. And this idea that uh, the entire system is rigged, as you said, against the little guy. Um, And I think as we see American democracy has expanded to include uh, different people, including non-white Americans, that along with a changing economy and stressors on the middle class have really combined mm. to create this combustive environment in which uh, you know, you're looking for somebody, some explanation for uh, what you're seeing around you. And I think, unfortunately, the right-wing um, media has been all too quick to... Uh, <laughs> to blame non-white Americans, to blame democratic institutions. And uh, it's essentially, you know, if we don't control it, well, then let's burn the whole thing down. 
And, and that's what this is. This is about power. And so there are some people in America who are more interested in having power than democracy. Mm. If they can't have power through the democracy, they'd rather not have the democracy. And so there is a divide between those like the New York Post, apparently, it's great to see, the Wall Street Journal, who are saying, no, we still want that democracy. And those who say, you know what, let's just, let's just as long as we're in, in control, it doesn't matter. The democratic institutions don't matter. The democracy doesn't matter. Forget it all. And, and that's scary. And certainly fed into the erosion of trust exactly. into those institutions by the American public. Uh, a person central to Trump. That last one I just threw in because that's some racist ass fucking shit. That is some racist ass. That lady gets on TV all the time saying racist shit over and fucking over. And nobody has a problem with her being an outright fucking racist. Just a racist. So we're going to play one more and uh, go into our trans abuse because I have so many fucking files. AR-15 style guns sold as a sign of manhood as shootings arise. Of course, ABC doesn't say that shootings with pistols on black on black crime arise. But, you know, why would we fucking do that? That would make too much fucking sense. You'll then go into your woke bumper and tranny marathon. To the top executives of major gun manufacturers in the hot seat this morning on Capitol Hill, facing tough questions about how they market their weapons. Our senior national correspondent, Terry Moran, has the latest for us. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Robin. Uh, this morning, the CEOs of Daniel Defense and Sturm Ruger, those are two major manufacturers of those AR-15 style rifles, they will get grilled by the House Oversight Committee. This is all part of the Democrats' effort to find some way of stemming the bloody tide of mass shootings in America. A Daniel Defense rifle was used in the Uvalde school massacre, and a Sturm Ruger weapon was used in the shooting at a church in Sutherland Spring, Texas in 2017. The committee wants to know, as you say, how these weapons are being marketed and how much money these companies are making off of them, Congresswoman Karen, uh, Carolyn Maloney, who's the chair of the House Oversight Committee, accusing the gun manufacturers in a letter of, quote, continuing to profit from the sale of weapons of war to civilians. But the companies say they are making lawful weapons in a lawful and responsible manner. And uh, they say they are not to blame for the actions of individuals or the failure of gun laws. The Democrats are seeking to pass an assault weapons ban in the House, but that is almost certainly doomed in the Senate. Robin. Many will be watching to see what happens today. All right, Terry, thank you. Turn it up, turn it on. Rock it like we fed to the bone, get on the floor, run it loose. Gotta put these two left feet to you. If you need education in the party scene, as you think you can dance with me, this ain't no joke. Turn up, let's get woke. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. What am I doing right now? I'm pumping my gas and I'm fighting systemic racism and I'm saving lives. I will gladly pay more money for my gas as long as Donald Trump is not in the White House. 
If you have a problem with paying more for gas, then maybe you're just homophobic and you're a bigot. You know, I'm protecting our democracy right now. And I'm fighting for Ukraine. What are you doing? You anti-vax conspiracy theorist? You science denier? What are you doing? Nothing! Nothing! I'm a doctor and apparently the state of Texas needs to reconsider what it considers child abuse. Because you know what's abusive? Ignoring the needs of your child when your child is telling you what they need. And engaging in behavior as a parent that could lead them to unalive themselves. Over 80% of trans youth have admitted to having thoughts about unaliving themselves and over 50% have actually attempted it. And these individuals denying them care that we know is life-saving is child abuse. And it is proven that providing them gender-affirming care strongly reduces those risks. Don't worry, I got plenty of receipts for these comments. You can check my link tree. I will die on this hill. Trans rights are human rights. And it doesn't matter the age of the person. We all deserve to live our truth. So I have never personally had any uh, can my kindergarten students come in with like they, them pronouns or anything that's considered like atypical pronouns. Um, so I cannot speak from experience, but I can tell you the way I would handle it is by disrespecting their pronouns, um, especially if the parent communicates that ahead of time or the child communicates that. I can't think of any training specifically that have ever really been like preparing me for this. I've done like my own research and stuff like that, but also I support um, the LGBTQI plus community. I would really hope that most teachers could put their political beliefs aside and just be respectful to whatever their students say that they prefer. Because you don't necessarily have to agree. You don't have to see what they see and whatever. But you do have to be respectful. I think most good teachers would do that. Say hello and I don't reply, got my own friends You got yours, you don't know me Anymore, I'm on the way up Look at the ground, I won't wait up Not coming down from this Got a new vibe from this the frog frog self pronouns you would say something like frog went to the store and frog got a new skirt for frog self isn't it so cute and then for my bug pronouns you would say something like bug's special interest is monster high bug loves talking about it and it always makes bug really happy so i know i don't post on here like ever but i need help because i have no fucking idea what to do with this one of my alters sunny um, our, our inner world is surrounded by a forest, and occasionally new altars will come out from that forest. Like, our demon altar, Shuhiel, emerged from that forest. So generally, our consensus is don't go into the forest, but Sonny's pretty new. He formed at Christmas, um, or technically shortly thereafter, but whatever. And no one told him, I guess, not to go into the forest, so he just kind of disappeared for a few days, maybe even a few weeks. I don't know, I wasn't really keeping tabs. And he reappeared the other day with a dog. 
I don't think the dog is an altar. But he has a dog now. Like, is this a thing that can happen or am I actually, am I, I... I've got too much on my plate to like actually try and delve into this and like meditate on it and try to contact my alters and, you know, ask everyone about it because it's finals week. I just, does anyone have any advice? Or has anyone experienced something similar to this where they, one of their alters just now has a pet in the inner world? Because I don't know what to do. <laughs> yes, I would love to. Let me show y'all them and talk a little bit about them and why I got them. So these are my finger tattoos. I've got him on this side, which is my left hand. I got my heat on this side, my right hand, and I got a little tooth also when I got my finger tattoos done. So I got them done in September of 2019, right after my top surgery actually, but I had been planning on getting them for a while. And one of the big reasons I got my pronouns on my hands was because I worked in food service and I would get misgendered a lot. And so when I worked at like the register, people would hand me their cards and hand me their money and they would have to see my fingers and they were very obvious. So I thought it would help me not get misgendered as much. Um, I also love them, they make me feel very cool. But yeah, that's the big reason I got them was because I wanted them. Instead of like pronoun pins, they were on me every day and people could always see them. And it was a way of affirming my gender for me and also hopefully making it less likely of me being misgendered by other people and people just know my pronouns. Look, another helpful question. Kids have to go to the pediatrician a certain number of times for the first few years of their life. It's to make sure they get fully vaccinated, are growing on time, uh, development is as it needs to be, yada, yada, yada. At the three-year checkup, they ask a question to see if the children know the difference. So the pediatrician looked at Bug and she said, are you a boy or a girl? Bug looked her in the eye and said, I'm a girl. The doctor kind of looked at me and I was like, all right, never heard about it before, but whatever. And ever since that day, she has told us that she's a girl. A little under a year ago, she started correcting us on her pronouns. I'm not a him. I'm a her. Don't call me he. Mommy, I'm not he. I'm she. It has been two and a half years now that she has been out. I told her father when I figured she was getting close to telling him herself. Didn't want him to respond poorly. One last idea for this series about how to support students who don't identify as cisgender in your classroom, and that has to do with report card comments. Many students don't identify with the same pronouns and names at home as they might at school or with friends, and so this makes report card comments and communication at home really complicated. Personally, I've been trying to take gender out of my report card comments altogether, but I recently heard a great suggestion from our school's GSA who suggested to make report card comments directed specifically to the student. So using the word you takes out the need to use a name or any gender pronouns. And so that's what I'm going to try next time. It sounds like an ideal best practice. How do you tackle this? I'm a non-binary elementary school teacher, so here's how I talk to my students about pronouns and such. Hi, my name is Mix K. It's Mix. So kind of like cookie mix or mixing bowl, that sort of thing. That's how it's pronounced. That is my name. That is the name that I'm comfortable with. That is the name that makes me happy and I would like it if you referred to me as such. See, I'm not a Mr. or a Miss, so I go by Mix because that's what makes me happy. Now you have a name that you like to be called other than the name that's on the paper, right? It's the same thing for me. I have a name that I prefer to be called and that's the one that you're going to use for me, okay? 
Now, I don't consider myself to be a boy or a girl. I just see myself as a person. So that's why I go by mix. So I'm actually non-binary. I'm not really comfortable with feminine terms being used for me. If you can find some alternatives, that would be great. My pronouns are they, them, and she, her. Thank you so much for asking. What are yours? Talking about gender is not something that's out of the realm for children. Honestly, the most understanding people when it comes to my identity have been the students that I work with. So it's important to be yourself because being openly you is probably the most important thing you can do for the kids of this generation. supporters are you at a bar or brewery or restaurant in which you did not expect to see a trump supporter because their website and uh decor otherwise declared that they are lgbtqia plus friendly maybe they've got a pride flag maybe maybe they've got a blm flag in their window but you still for some reason see an ungodly Trump supporter and heaven forbid they're also wearing trump merchandise well Take an unfinished drink from a table, spit in it, bring it over to them, and tell them that you bought them one. And then pray to whatever glorious creature gets you out of bed in the morning that they take a sip of it and, and suffer for the rest of the day. Thank you. Goodbye. You have a mind to keep me quiet, and although you can try, better men have hit their knees and bigger men have died. After that freak show, I apologize, but this is in schools. Let me blow it up. Why do, why would we have this in our schools? I, there's only one reason you, you want to brainwash kids. That's what you want to do. And you're doing it. You're brainwashing children. 
We have this stuff going around. Dog names. It used to be black dogs, so that was racist. Now the names of dogs, and they won't get done. MSNBC, uh, MSN highlights, excuse me. Homophobic telescope reveal first high-res image of space. A homophobic skeleton. Or a telescope. Yeah. This was printed this week. We covered that guy. He was on the black one we just go to, The Root. How they disappeared the white doll. They didn't want their kid getting a white doll, and they don't know how their kid got a white doll. But a lot of this. My IQ is about 140. I have a law degree from Yale and master degree from Harvard and two bachelor's degrees. You? They think they're the educated ones. And because things are so bad, here's Yamich once again, but Trump. Cultural issues were very popular in that room. He, former President Trump, went on a long rant about transgender Americans, and he used transphobic language. In particular, he was talking about transgender women competing in sports and said that they were men trying to compete against women, which, of course, is not the right way to, to, to talk about that issue. But what you saw there was sort of the the belly of the beast, the Republican Party that is the donor class, that is the people that are sort of setting the policy agenda. They were also most excited about lies. And I think that really sticks with me because a lot of times we talk about sort of throwing red meat to the base. But this was the part of the party that might possibly have been choosing the next nominee um, before sort of it became about rallies and, and, and big crowds. Um, and they, too, are very much into the lies that President Trump is continuing to spew. We have so many problems right now, from gas to supply chains to kids that lost years and have terrible mental health to an invasion. But murder hornets, that's what our government's worried about. They're really worried about it. And then this, this fucking shit from the Academy of Breastfeeding. I hope I got the picture. I, father's milk that 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 doesn't happen it it doesn't happen both npr and the white house because monkeypox is turning into what we knew it was a gay illness oh they're really worried about your language very clear at this point uh, that the community most affected is the LGBTQ community. Um, this is one of the reasons why I said we've been deeply engaged with them, um, both to share information, also to learn more, make sure that, that everybody's communicating in a way that's both scientifically accurate uh, and respectful. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, it's really important that we do not use this moment to uh, propagate homophobic or transphobic uh, messaging and and i think it's really important that we stick to the science stick to the evidence and do it in a way that's respectful of people language is so fucking important ap rejects facts insists the media genuflect to trans activist terminology and they went through all the stuff that came out when we used to make fun of it like the women's march 
We got some transphobe big mad the other day, so let us spell it out for you. Women is a term that encompasses cis and trans women. When we talk about people who can give birth, it's because these people aren't all women. They're girls, trans men, non-binary people. Some of y'all really struggle with the concept of assigned sex versus gender identity. Women's March is committed to treating equality for women and feminist future for all. We fight for the rights of primarily but not exclusively impact women. We fight for a world where all women are safe from gender bias. Clear enough, you TERFs. Do you remember that was an episode? We mocked it. TERFs. What the fuck? So here's our lighter fare. It's not even funny because this is actually true. We're, we're seeing what we're seeing is that we are in a transition. We had this strong economic growth because of the of the work that this president had done in the past 18 months. And now what we're seeing is a transition into stable and steady. Dona and uh, Mayor Bowser and Chancellor Farabee, you know, thank you for joining us as well. And for And this is our, this is America. Since I suffer from this, I think it's pretty important. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021! The story here is the medical story. Joe Biden and a whole lot of other people have gotten pretty sick with COVID after getting multiple shots. What is that about exactly? How did that happen? It's easy to just mock that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's clearly untrue. But is there a connection between getting most, multiple COVID vac shots and getting sicker? Is it possible that the vaccine actually can hurt you, especially if you keep getting boosted? Can it weaken your immune system? Well, that looks possible. Multiple studies have looked into this. Just last month, the Journal of Food and Chemical Toxicology published the findings of several mRNA researchers, and we're quoting, in this paper, we present evidence that vaccination induces a profound impairment in type one interferon signaling, which has diverse adverse consequences to human health. Well, that seems like a headline. Did you read that in the New York Times? No, you probably didn't. Kind of weird since hundreds of millions of people got the shot. The researchers continued that in their studies of the COVID vaccine, quote, we identify potential link to neurodegenerative disease, myocarditis, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, impaired DNA damage response, etc. So it's possible, in fact, it's looking likely that the vaccine might suppress the immune system. This fact, the authors concluded, will quote, have a wide range of consequences, not the least of which include the reactivation of latent viral infections and the reduced ability to effectively combat future infections, end quote. Now, again, we sincerely hope that's not true. But it's not just the conclusion of one scientific journal. 
The Lancet, maybe the most famous scientific journal in the world, released similar findings in February. The Lancet's piece was entitled, quote, risk of infection, hospitalization, and death up to nine months after a second dose of COVID-19 vaccine. A physician called Kenji Yamamoto made this observation about the data from The Lancet. He wrote this in a letter to the Journal of Virology, and we're quoting, the study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated individuals. Ah, now your first response, if you're a humane person to a line like that has got to be deep sympathy because people were misled, they were forced, they were forced. Medical ethics thrown out the window. People were forced to take medicine they didn't want. And some of them may have been hurt by it. And you don't have to take this man's word for it. Pull up the Lancet study yourself. You won't find anything of the text of the article saying what Kenji Yamamoto said, which is weird. Why would the Lancet want to hide a major finding like that? We can't say. But if you look at table three in the piece, here's what you'll find buried in the data. Among people around the age of 80 who have been double vaccinated, that would include people like Joe Biden, the per capita rate of medical incidences, including hospitalizations or death, is nearly twice as high as the rate of serious incidents for the unvaccinated. This is 180 days after vaccination. What is that? And why is no one interested? It's true. I'm living proof of it. Even the doctors are saying it. A combination of the vax and getting COVID-D and they don't know why my stomach's trashed. Although it's improved since I had the burnout. Uh, I just have to watch how much I dip. I have to watch what I drink. But for the first time, food isn't the problem. Um, I can eat foods. I'm eating normal. Like I had eggs and bacon and some bread the other day. And it was fine. It's the after effects. There are whole studies about how the vax and the illness gave people GERD, uncontrollable GERD. I'm taking 80 milligrams of Prilosec again, just trying to get it to go down. Because when I eat, it goes crazy and they don't know why. But they know it. They're just not going to admit it. They're never going to admit that that vax was a gene therapy. We've gotten one person to say it, but it wasn't a vaccine. And it didn't protect you from the virus. If it did, once again, why did Biden get it? He's had full vax, two boosters, and now he has long COVID. But it's getting buried because they're scared. They're no different than us. I mean, do you think they want to have Kamala? Come on, man. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with your family, friends, and make sure you go to the website, foppodcast.com. I apologize for being so late on the I just, we're going to start fresh, hopefully Wednesday. I was just too sick. I almost puked, and you saw my face at the end because I saw where I left off. Um, I just did not feel good. But for the record, uh, last month when I started like on the 10th, I did 60 miles. This month, I've only not walked two days. And that was because of the procedure. I have walked 110 miles, which is 
an average of 3.8 miles. Not bad. Next month, I'm pushing for four miles per day. And then the following month, I hope to be zero miles today because I'm back to work because it's tight. It's tight. It's tight for everybody. Uh, things are just so expensive and they don't even want to acknowledge it because they want to redefine words. I mean, if you look what we've done since Trump with redefining everything from Maisie Hirono and a hearing down to what a recession is, even though, as you saw today, their own words say what a recession is. Our economy is not good. You didn't build jobs. People just went back to work because they were locked down. Remember, these were supposed to be the adults back in the room. These were supposed to be the transparent people. And it's clearly obvious they obfuscate more than Trump ever could, which is why I like Republican presidents, because we know what's going on. The media actually does their job, because you can see right now, they're just telescribing whatever they want to say. And half the time, they're making it up for them. They're building the talking points for this administration. So y'all stay safe. Tune back in Wednesday, and I'll be back on the mic with a better product than this. Thanks for listening.